You are traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Tone Zone. Welcome to the Tone Zone. I'm your host, Anthony Mullen, and today we finish our Star Wars retrospective as we are less than a week away from The Rise of Skywalker, the final movie in the Skywalker saga. And it's only fitting that the last of our retrospectives covers the two preceding movies to The Rise of Skywalker, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. I'm once again joined by Caitlin Kimball. How are you doing? Hello. I'm very excited to be back once again. And I'm I was I've always been really excited for this episode maybe more than the other ones because I've got a lot to say on these movies. I mean, honestly, they're pretty divisive in the Star Wars community. There's there's a big polarity. People love them or they hate them. Exactly. And um what are, what are your thoughts on both these movies and kind of Disney's Star Wars sequel trilogy so far as a whole? These are honestly probably in my top three favorite star wars movies and then the empire strikes back is probably number one so i love these movies so so much and then being able to bring in these new characters that i love as much as the original is something fantastic that disney did yeah i i agree with you that empire empire is my favorite star wars movie and i and i love the first one Mm -hmm. i think um especially from return of the jedi to revenge of the sith I think there was kind of a, there wasn't a mu- much substance to the films. I think Return of the Jedi has the most out of the, them in the prequels, mm-hmm. but uh, I feel like obviously the prequels weren't uh, well liked and they were um, not very marketable. But and with Disney's purchase of Star Wars in 2012 and the announcement of new films, I think obviously. It shows in The Force Awakens that they really wanted to make it feel like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And what I think they've done is really, I was not, I had pretty low expectations for these movies. Really? especially Honestly, especially after The Force Awakens. Be, I'll get to that. <laughs> but what they've done has really surprised me. And for both of them, each time I watch them, the more I appreciate them and the more I honestly like oh, them. Yeah. So agree with that. I just watched The Last Jedi last week. And it was like I was watching it for the first time. I was still starstruck about how they could string this movie together and make me still sit on my edge of the seat, even though I've seen it quite a few times. Yeah. I mean, I watched both of them this week uh, for, for preparation. And I, I honestly, I thought, I thought The Force Awakens was a little bit better than Return of the Jedi. I now think it's pretty yeah. solidly better than yes. Return of the Jedi. Oh, and I, sure. And... The Last Jedi might be better. It might be my second favorite Star Wars movie. I love hey. it. I love it so much. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of lean towards The Force Awakens, but we can get to that. All right. Let's, let's start talking about The Force Awakens. Go. It came out in 2015, and as I said, they hired J.J. Abrams, and his job was really to make the movie feel like Star Wars again. Obviously, after kind of the staticness and the, uh, as Lucas would call it, the Shakespearean drama of the prequels that didn't really work. Mm-hmm. Um, they really wanted to get back to kind of the scrappy storytelling of A New Hope and Empire. Underdog. Yeah, yeah, and I do, I do think the movie kind of plays it safe. I do think it hits the beats of the first Star Wars a little too much, but I d- really appreciate what J.J. Abrams does uh, when it comes to filmmaking in this film. It's uh, it does it does hit the points of A New Hope, but it's filmed a lot like Empire. Take uh, the opening scene with uh, the uh, assault on Jakku mm-hmm. with the stormtroopers. It's filmed in the perspective of the villagers, and it's very chaotic and it's yes. violent. Oh yeah, and not uh, go. I want to keep talking about this intro. I think it's great. Um, it introduces us to arguably the best character in these films, Finn. And I think what they did with Finn, having him be a stormtrooper. That is, was a smart move it's on their part. Maybe the best decision they've done with yeah. these movies. I think it not only does it open up the galaxy, it gives us a perspective we've never gotten. Exactly. 
it sets up Finn's character arc really well. He's just trying to get away from the war, and we can see why the the trauma it causes and everything around it. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, as I want to, we're gonna talk about these movies uh in terms of characters. We're just gonna go through each mm-hmm. uh, of the main characters. Uh, go continuing on Finn. Um. Throughout the film, he's really just trying to get away from the war. And yeah. um, his journey in the film is him kind of accepting that he's got a role in things, but it's not really completed because he has a coma at the end. He mm-hmm. gets, uh, he's in sleep. He's <laughs> kind of like Han at the end of Empire. But the relationships he makes, especially with Poe, I think. Yes. Oh, that I could talk forever about. Oh, and Finn's relationship. I love that so much. That helps drive the movie, I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, it's it's about 20 minutes, maybe 15 minutes uh, with just Poe and Finn. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of escaping. Uh, they obviously, they, they create this bromance that has gone <laughs> throughout the last two films. Yes. And I'm pretty sure it's going to continue with the third. Better. And I don't it it does a really good job introducing us to these new characters and it and it feels like they're the stars of the show for I mean even for 20 minutes even though I think they're kind of side characters especially yeah. when Ray is introduced. Do you have anything else to say with uh Finn? I like how Finn got hit. so relating back to when we talked about um Solo last week how I didn't like how Han got his last name like that iconic name. Oh. But then Finn got his name from Poe, really, and I, I think that's a fantastic part of it. I honestly love that. FN218. Yep. Finn, Finn, I'll call you Finn. That's an awesome scene. I think I smile during that whole thing every single time because he's so excited afterwards, and that is perfect. I will say a nitpick I have with the film is I feel like the first maybe 30 minutes, it's, it's very kinetically action-driven. There's yes. a whole lot of action. You have the assault on Jakku. You have... Uh, Poe getting captured, uh, Finn helping him. They're escaping. They got to take down the guns. And I don't, it just feels, I mean, it's different from what we've seen in a Star Wars film. It's very action heavy in the beginning. Yes. But I feel like it's fine. I think it's fine when it gets really quiet, especially when Ray's introduced. Yeah. And we get Kylo and all that. Um, but it does feel a little uneven if you're looking at the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But obviously, that's just a nitpick. That doesn't, uh, I take it in the aspect they were that they were probably nervous, I guess, creating this movie because you're trying to bring in a whole new audience and keep your old audience. And then in this day and age, they're like people like our actions, so that's probably why they caught our attention in the first couple scenes with all this, so that we were able to see what happened through the rest. That's my pick because yeah. I think people would be apprehensive to have Ray introduced within the first thirty seconds. Like people yeah. really aren't ready for that. I agree. It's it's the same way Luke is introduced in the first one. You have uh, C three P and R two D two. Leia's introduced. Vader's introduced. And it's about twenty five minutes until Luke's introduced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, I think the I think the reason it's so action heavy is to get people invested early yes. because the the last Star Wars movies that uh, most people have seen they were very uh. Uh, static yeah. prequels, uh, political Senate, mm-hmm. yeah, it boring. I guess yeah. you could say. So yeah, in twenty, what was it, fifteen? Twenty fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. My yeah. I. I mean, I just think Finn is such a deep character, and I think it's really interesting. We'll get to in the Last Jedi. I think it's really interesting that. His arc is kind of over both movies. Yeah. He does have kind of, he does have lessons that he learns in The Force Awakens, but it's not really until the end of The Last Jedi where his kind of selflessness is seen. Mm. Um, do you have anything else to say about Finn? Just to agree with you that he's probably one of the best characters. Yeah. Now I want to go to, uh, we've alluded to her multiple times yeah. so far. Let's talk about Rey. Oh! favorite i love her so so much uh, fantastic character and daisy ridley is absolutely amazing yeah and daisy ridley's great she deserves the world she's fantastic john boyega is also great as he fan. is great. i want to say that but oh god daisy just took this part and made it a thousand times better than it could ever be and i 
love her for that. I honestly, before I want to talk about her character, I just want to say she has maybe the best Star Wars song, yeah. her theme, since Duel of the Fates. I love it. Mm-hmm. I'll listen. It's in my regular playlist. I'll listen to it <laughs> regularly. It's just so good. Um, and it's and it's used multiple times yes. in the film. Um, now I think her journey in both movies is really interesting and. I feel like most people misinterpret it because obviously there was big when the force awakens came out and especially after last Jedi, there was big, uh, there was a big amount of backlash of the character Mm -hmm. because they feel like she's too talented without kind of establishing it. Yeah. And like she can fly the Falcon at the beginning of the force Mm -hmm. awakens and she beats Kylo Ren. But I think, I think they don't really, they really haven't been watching the movie. I mean, if you look at the reason, I mean, I, I, when watching The Force Awakens, I was like, okay, I get, I get how she could fly the Falcon. She spent her entire life scavenging yeah. uh, parts from these big imperial, uh, imperial uh, ad-ats and everything. So she does know the parts. And also, I love, I love the first Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. but how does Luke fly in the Battle of Yavin? We didn't sure. really get that set up. It's it's very similar to Ray is very similar to Luke in the first movie, especially because he's they're both very talented and kind of they're that's the point. Yeah. Without them knowing and their journeys is them accepting their talent. Yeah. And I think Ray's journey in The Force Awakens is her kind of realizing her talents and under and kind of breaking away from her comfort zone mm-hmm. because obviously throughout the entire movie She's a lot like Finn. Finn wants to get away from yes. the war at every chance. Ray just wants to go back to Jakku because mm-hmm. she doesn't feel like she's ready to she take the responsibility. She doesn't want to take the responsibility of uh, being this hero mm-hmm. that she's kind of set up to be. And go- you said Ray's parents. What do, you, what do you think of Ray's parents as a whole? I mean, obviously, kind of at the point where it needs to be a grand reveal and this has to be a monumental thing because they've talked about it for these two movies now and it's a constant reoccurring point. And I keep saying that Luke is going to be her father, but you say that that'll make what the galaxy. It makes it look it makes it look laughably small. Yep. I I really hope that they don't make her from anywhere because I agree with that now. I think her heritage being from nowhere makes it a much more powerful message. Mm-hmm. It it takes what the prequel said about the midichlorians and how kind of how the force is like little things yeah. in your cells and that dumb stuff. And it makes it what Obi-Wan said. The force binds everyone. It's a force that anyone can possess. And we see that definitely in The Last Jedi yes. de- more. But yeah, I really, I really feel like it's important that Ray comes from nowhere because, I mean, it, I, hope I, she's, I hope she's she, she's her own person because yeah, I hope that they've been playing this parent theory on for so long technically, in order to like we're focused in on who are her parents. I hope there's been some underlying tone that we've kind of turned a blind blind eye towards, and it's gonna just come slamming in us at rise of skywalker so i hope this parent thing was a distraction what i'm trying to say maybe yeah they've made such a big deal about it and we're so zoned in on who her parents are that there's something coming that's always been there but we've never expected uh that's another problem i have with the film i think this definitely falls in the category of jj abrams setting up a lot of cliffhangers there are a lot of cliffhangers in this movie you have finn's coma you have um the whole obviously the last scene with luke her giving her the lights, mm-hmm. him the lightsaber, and you have Snoke as well, <laughs> who is Snoke and um, Ray's parents. Yeah, and I think I think that does hurt the film because there isn't much finality. Mm-hmm. It does feel like the first part of one big movie, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it just feels. I mean, looking at J.J. Abrams' work, he mostly has never finished a story which mm-hmm. is why i'm really excited for the uh rise of skywalker yeah. oh it better be. that's a um, whole nother jj <laughs> abrams is really good at setting up a story and obviously it shows i think this movie does a pretty clean job introducing new characters yeah. while introducing characters we haven't seen in 30 years and yeah but i feel like there's a little too much ambiguity 
for the for the end of the movie and it kind of sets ryan johnson up a little harshly especially yeah. in the fan base for yeah. the last jedi do you have anything else to say about ray in this film i think i think we, we're going to be talking about her She'll and finn yes. more in the last jedi but yeah. just that she's an amazing character and she makes so excited every time she comes on screen because she's such a powerful woman and everything she does I like want to stand up and cheer for her because she's just so great at what she does in these movies and like the side note that I kind of want to add I appreciate how when we were talking about Ray just being like automatically good at what she does I'm I like how she was just kind of born this like natural say, Jedi like she yeah. has these talents and I'm glad that they spent these last two movies focusing on in on her like mental state and how she's going through all this mental back and forth between kylo and the dark side and her and luke and so i'm glad that's more the focus of her mental health atmosphere rather than how she's gonna try to work the lightsaber and fly and go through all this training like kind of what did with yoda so i'm glad they kind of jumped over that and focused more in on her inside her, feelings and emotions yeah. rather than her physical attributes. She, she's a very broken character emotion yeah. she goes through a lot of emotional turmoil in both films and i do think having her being talented like at a lot of stuff mm-hmm. knowing the parts know, knowing how to fly and kind of being able to uh fight even mm-hmm. though watch i mean watching the uh force awakens more and more i really appreciate in that last battle when she's like wailing her yeah. lightsaber, she has no idea what she's doing, no. and I really appreciate that because it does show that she is not, not perfect. perfect. Yeah, yeah, and I really think her being talented at a lot of this stuff does really enforce her struggle mm-hmm. of like we see how talented she is, but she keeps holding herself back because she feels like she should stay back in Jakku because she's waiting for her parents and. She wants to stay in her comfort zone, as I said. And I think it really works if she's that talented. We get to yeah. see that talent. Yeah. It's not like, um, I mean, going back to the prequels, I mean, like, we hear that Anakin is high, uh, strong in the Force, but, he, I mean, Obi-Wan's more competent. Mm-hmm. And I get that's the point because he's, like, brash and everything. Yeah. But, yeah. And speaking of Anakin, I think our next character is pretty much a perfect what he's what Anakin Skywalker should have been. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say about Ray before we move on? Just that. Any final Ray's thoughts? Amazing character, and I can't wait to see what she does. Okay, I I agree. It's Friday. Woo-hoo. Yeah, I think she gets better in the second movie. Yes, for sure. Uh, now let's talk about Kylo Ren. Oh. Ben Solo. I think he's the best Star Wars character. Best new Star yeah. Wars character since Yoda. Yeah. In he's... 1980. I keep saying amazing because I think this whole entire cast is amazing, but he there's oh. something about him that is incredible. Adam Driver, boy, what an actor. Give him all the awards. I've he not deserves seen, them all. I've not seen Marriage Story yet. I still need to see Marriage Story. But there's some I've controversy heard over that, too. I've People fan- love it or hate it. Pretty fantastic in that mm-hmm. movie. Uh, so Kylo Ren in The First Order as a whole, I think they're very interesting in the way that I think it was a very good idea that J.J. Um, uh, Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan, the screenwriters, they made Kylo Ren kind of, he's intimidating, obviously, yeah. but he's inherently pathetic. And yeah. I think that goes for most of the First Order because mm-hmm. they are trying so hard to live up to the Empire and especially Kylo trying to live up to Darth Vader. Obviously, you have him talking to the helmet of Darth that Vader. That was amazing. I and, love that. Yeah. And... It does feel like if the empires like the Nazis, which they obviously are, it feels like the First Order is kind of like, it's a bit of a stretch, but they're kind of like neo-Nazis in the way yeah. that they are kind of obsessed with the tradition. Mm-hmm. But, the, I mean, it's inherently pathetic. The Force Awakens is Kylo trying to be someone he's not, trying to control things that are out of fate and trying to be, not to be Vader, but to like, embody his essence i guess and to be this high caliber villain technically that kylo appreciates like talks to the helmet and all that so i think kylo's helmet talk about that oh yeah (laughs) i there's a lot of stuff i want to say about kylo's uh appearance yeah but you go just this is more for um the last jedi 
But I like how the mask, like Vader required the mask. More yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. So I like how Kylo's mask was not a requirement for him, but more so trying to... It's for show. Yes. So I love it. that's my favorite thing about that mask because, yeah, it's totally to add to his... He's trying to like, oh my God, he's putting the mask on. He's hiding who he kind of truly is he's with that. He's deeply vulnerable. Yeah. And that's the best kind of villain. And I'm really glad that you brought up his helmet because I want to talk about his lightsaber. His lightsaber <laughs> is my favorite lightsaber in all of star wars for one reason it's not because of how it looks i think it looks dumb yeah but i think that's the point yeah and there's a thing in like an encyclopedia about the force awakens and it describes his lightsaber as very messy as somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing i mean if you look at it like i have a seven dollar replica of it and it like the wires are outside it it's very Mm -hmm. clunky and obviously you have the the things on the side that make it look like a sword yeah he's trying to look cool and he's trying to look like vader but he doesn't know how to do it yet yeah. he's trying to cosplay the strong thing yeah and his, how i see it his entire appearance shows that and i really think his helmet uh going back to his helmet i really think his helmet is used spectacularly when uh we see the confrontation with ray mm-hmm. the that's probably my favorite scene in the entire movie because it sets up such an interesting dynamic in the last jedi it's i mean I, I wrote down some notes about it and it's if watching that scene kylo's in a position of power obviously yeah. he's captured ray ray is on the uh, uh star destroyer i believe it was mm-hmm. a star destroyer at the time and ray is able to read his uh vulnerabilities she she yells at him like uh you'll never be as strong as darth vader and it gets to him and i think the most important part of that entire scene is when he takes off his helmet it's played as he's hasn't done that in years he hasn't shown his face in years it's kind of like a mandalorian in the way they don't show their face but he's showing his face to her some girl from jakku and I, the dynamic they have in The Force Awakens, it's really interesting because Kylo sees and he gets reports on what Rey is doing throughout the entire movie, and it makes him feel vulnerable yeah. because... He's scared of her, and that's amazing. I mean... <laughs> in a way. For both, yeah, for both movies, they're, kind, they're pretty much the same person, yeah. but they've had different upbringings, and that puts them in different positions. I think if Snoke found Rey when she was young... She would easily be where Kylo yes, is. I could so see that. And I do think Kylo is a really interesting spin on the Star Wars uh, Jedi, I guess you could say. Uh, I'll get to that in a bit. But I really think that, um, I mean, in, this, in the interrogation scene, you see that Rey does have darker tendencies. She mm-hmm. has manipulative intensity. And as I said, Kylo is pretty much the same person as her. They yeah. do, I feel like both of them are light, but they do have dark intensities. But Kylo has kind of suppressed his light, and Rey is more embracing it, but she has a lot of problems, mm-hmm. as we see in The Last Jedi. And, yeah, I mean, I do think it's really interesting that Kylo is a character that, instead of being seduced by the darkness, he's seduced by the light side. Yeah, I I love that part of it i think kylo kylo was needed to continue on this legacy of star wars because they could have just made another vader add yeah this. i agree yeah so i like again how focus more on his mental back and forth and kind of having him be with ray in a sense i think kylo and ray's relationship is better to some however you want to describe better in the last jedi yeah but kylo was I cheer for it. Like he's the villain I cheer for. Like yeah. I I love that guy. I mean, it's like he's he comes from privilege and legacy and he has such a hard time living up to it that he has to spoiler alert, kill his father to uh kind of validate that he is close to being what Darth Vader oh. is. He needs to he needs to kill Han Solo so he can reaffirm himself that he will not turn to the light. And yeah. I just find that really interesting. I sometimes I cry every time I watch that scene, so it gets a little emotionally tiring after I rewatch this movie and still see him die time and time. But hey, they had to do it. They had to do it so. Yeah. 
I guess I can move on. And I mean, we're going to be talking about Kylo and uh, Rey in The Last Jedi, obviously. Do you have, I mean, that kind of wraps up everything I wanted to talk about Force Awakens broad sense, but mm-hmm. is there anything you want to talk about? You want to talk about Han, Leia, <laughs> uh, BB-8? Also, uh, oh, BB-8. I love BB-8. Just, again, I think I said this when we talked about the original movies with Empire, New Hope, and all that. But, like, I like how BB-8's yet another droid that you just love. Like, this yeah. little mechanic robot that you have a close connection towards. So, they did a good job with BB-8. Because, again, we have R2-D2 and C-3PO. Like, how could you make something that could be as good or better? And then they made BB-8, and that was... He's just a little rolling ball. He is. Oh, so creative. I just think The Force Awakens is a creative, well-done movie to continue on something so big in our world. I think it's, my opinion on it is that it's a very safe movie that does have a lot of creative elements, but it's a nice setup for what's to come. And yeah, I mean, watching it, I mean, I did enjoy watching it this week, but I did really feel tired of, not Star Wars, but I was like, thinking about it, if this was the only movie that was out, The Last Jedi wasn't out. it did make me feel like, uh, I mean, they're kind of, I don't know of what future Star Wars has, if this is the formula that they're going to go with. They do establish very interesting characters, and I'm really invested in most of them. Yeah. But it does feel like they're just trying to retread stuff, and they're not really trying to say something new. True. But that's what The Last Jedi was for. And let's talk let's about The Last Jedi. Yeah. I. I, I just want to get my opinion out here. I'm not trying to convince you to like this movie. I know people hate this movie. I just want to talk about what I see in this movie and why I love it. I love this movie so much. It's probably, it might be in like my top 10 favorite movies. Yeah. I love it. I have like three Star Wars movies <laughs> in my top 10. And this is firmly in there. I, I mean, I think the discussion with The Last Jedi has to start with director and writer Ryan Johnson. And... He really, I mean, I've been spending the past like two days just watching everything on the Blu-ray, like all the special features, and what he wanted to do was kind of, I mean, he took a lot of inspiration from Empire, as you would from a second part in a trilogy, especially Star Wars, but he really set out to make a very new type of Star Wars film that explored new type of stuff, and I think it really works and I'm really appreciative that he did that because, I mean, looking at The Force Awakens again, I do think it plays it a little safe. I mean, it does kind of have to play it safe because it's got to uh, reintroduce people to Star Wars and get them invested again. But uh, I just love what this movie has to say mm-hmm. with almost all of its characters. I I love it. What, it's, it was not, I think... The Force Awakens I automatically loved, and I took a little more time to love The Last Jedi as much as I like The Force Awakens, but I think it is so well put together and tying in some of those cliffhangers that The Force Awakens left. And again, I think I'm more into this film now because I've paid closer attention to the relationships between Rey and Kylo and Finn and Poe and Finn and Rose. So... I like The Last Jedi for how many overarching storylines and emotional connections these characters are now making with each other, because I live for that kind of drama stuff. <laughs> so, I like more of the, can I say battle scenes in The Force Awakens, yeah. and I like more of the relationships. Oh, and Poe and Leia's relationship, too. I like more the relationship yeah. in The Last Jedi. Yeah, I, I do think, let's, let's start with Poe, Leia, and Holdo. Because it's kind of the first thing we're introduced to. I mean, I I don't think you can talk about The Last Jedi without first talking about that amazing opening. Because it's it's an action scene. Like, it feels like a regular Star Wars action scene. Mm -hmm. But then you get to the bombers. And you get get introduced to Paige Tico. And she becomes the star of the movie for about five minutes. And what Ryan Johnson does with that action scene... I've never seen it in a Star Wars movie before because it makes such a big assault scene, a uh, big attack scene. It makes it feel so intimate 
with yes. Paige and yes. you never really get to see what's going on cockpit kind of at you're like yeah you're watching from the outside but now you're on the you're looking into what's what they're going through and that's kind of haunting to have that bomb scene seeing what she's mentally thinking and trying to do for her world so yeah that was an emotional scene on my part i think it was it was a new take that i like to see more so than just oh backfire dropping the bombs or oh another fighter yeah. down kind of thing it makes you invested in everything that happens with the uh characters especially leia and poe and holdo and the people who have to deal with losing mm-hmm. these people and it definitely makes Leia's stance against Poe on this situation understandable. Like, they lost all their bombers because yes. of Poe's hubris. Yep. Poe wanted to get the dreadnought down, but it cost them so much. Yep. And I think Poe's journey, I, th- I don't really think Poe's that much of a character in The Force Awakens. He's just I kind agree. of. He's there. Actually, he was supposed to be killed oh, right so in the beginning. There. And they wrote him back into the film. So it does kind of feel like that. Yeah. But I'm glad they did that because he goes through kind of a humbling experience in this movie. Obviously, yeah. he his hubris is very apparent in the beginning. And mm-hmm. it does influence, uh, he does allow uh, Finn and Rose to go on their adventure. Yeah. But what Leia and Holdo show him, their kind of uh, conflicting ideals. Um, I feel like it really helps in establishing Poe as a character that The Force Awakens didn't really have. Yeah. Yeah. Like you were saying, how he killed off. I think, yeah. The Last Jedi. Because I think he's a strong part of this whole resistance atmosphere. And yeah. I think, like, how he wanted to take over when Leia was not able to do what he was able to do. So, and then I like the relationship when, with, between Poe and Leia. How it's just kind of she shuts him down and i think that's fantastic yeah. how she she's our leia she's still strong she's, she's not taking anything from anyone what do you what do you think of the scene where they're i mean leia's presumed dead but she uses the force and she comes back i honestly i mean i think that's the most controversial controversial yes. scene that honestly i like yeah. because watching that like I like it just on the fact that watching it the first time, I was like, yeah, of course she, like, finally she can use the Force. Yeah. She's a Skywalker. Yeah, I took, I took it in that sense, too, that, yeah, why couldn't she? She's, she has as much capability of sorts that Luke has, so. Yeah, and it, it does feel like it is a nice touch. It's like, of course she was, of course she can use the Force, but of course over these past 30 years, she has kind of honed in yes. her ability of it. It it does a really good job. Uh, both films, I think, especially with Han and uh, Leia, it does change the characters over thirty years. They're not mm. very static, and yeah. we're we're gonna get to that with Luke. <laughs> I think he's the biggest example of it. Um, yeah, I just think Poe, Leia, and Holdo really is a really nice dyna- dynamic that really set. It's a great example of using past characters in Leia's case to set up these new characters, Poe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, Holdo kind of plays the same role that Leia does when yeah. she's uh, in that coma. Yeah. But, boy, that Holdo <laughs> light speed sacrifice, that, oh my goodness. When the sound cut out, I swear to God, my heart like skipped a beat or something because that was, that was a perfect part of it. That's one of the most gorgeous scenes I've seen yeah. in a movie recently. And, that that scene, in my opinion, and also the on crate when uh they're charging the first order, and mm-hmm. uh I mean obviously you have the battering ram, and uh yeah. Poe tells everyone, no, you got to get back out. It shows that he learned from Leia, yeah, and I mean it shows that even though Leia has a lot of doubts throughout the movie, mm-hmm. um, it is for her actions keeping the hope was worth it because Poe saved lives and I mean the only person in the crate scene that doesn't uh follow Poe's commands is Finn Mm -hmm. uh and let's going to Finn and also Rose Mm -hmm. and their subplot uh throughout the movie I really think Finn might have the best character arc in this film 
because I really like what they did. I really like what Ryan Johnson did here. He um he kind of plays with the expectations. So Finn is somewhat like Han Solo in The Force Awakens. They kind of want to get away. Yeah. They're not really invested in the politics and everything. Um and by the end of the first Star Wars, Han is uh committed to the rebellion. Mm-hmm. But Finn doesn't have that opportunity. He's in he's in a coma. Yeah. So yeah. He still has a lot of learning to do, even though his motivations now are not just selfish in a way. They still are selfish, but he wants to save Rey. Yeah. He wants to get out of this conflict and he wants to save Rey because he cares about her so much from The Force Awakens. But he learns through Rose and through uh, their experience with Canobite and with DJ that he needs to be selfless because. Do you have anything to say on. Uh, Finn and Rose before we talk about Cano Bite as a whole? Um, I don't know how much I really like. I like Finn and Rose with their, like, mindset and their determination together. I think they're nice counterparts to each other's, like, hero-esque abilities, but outside of that, I don't really like them together. And I know you keep telling really? me they're not gonna be a thing, but they're just... I don't know. They're not my favorite... I don't want to say couple, because but yeah. they're really not my favorite couple. Okay. So, that's just my opinion. I think that both actors are amazing and they have incredible talent and they do a nice job in this film, but it was not the best thing that I think Brian Howard could have done. Uh, Brian Johnson, I don't know. <laughs> uh, before we go to Canobite, I, I want to ask your opinion on Canobite, but Rose Tico and Kelly Marie Tran, they it. rule. Yeah. Just bottom line. What what is, what's your opinion on Canobite? Because I think this might be the most controversial part of the entire film. Um. Really, I think I was still so. You're gonna like hate me for saying this. I was still so caught off guard with the dynamic between Ray and Luke and Ray and Kylo and Ray. I was distracted by so many other things going on that Canobite kind of didn't hit as hard as it like did it, for some it dragged people. for you i think so because i wanted to get back to all these other because again i like i said that how finn and rose aren't my like woo. so yeah, yeah i think cannabite dragged because i wanted to go back I, ray and kyler are my favorite so i that's, wanted to get back to them that's honestly fair i can see that criticism but i really feel like cannabite and what it does for finn and rose it's really essential to the message of this story i think we're, we're going to talk about the message of the story with mm-hmm. uh, uh ray kylo and luke mm-hmm. but it's really candlebite does a really good job of showing finn what he could be and why yes. that's wrong yeah. rose is his moral compass and she shows him that i mean look at everything around you do you want to be doing this it's immoral and I really think the idea that um, the Resistance and the First Order get their uh, uh, ships and weapons from the same place, Mm -hmm. from War Profiteers, I think that's a phenomenal idea. And it does really root Finn into this idea that, yeah, I really don't want this life that I've been running away for. And I... I just love it. And it's fun. Like It is a fun scene. It's just, yeah. Kind of went long for me because I didn't have that as strong as a desire to see. I like Finn. And I think I probably, honestly, I don't know why I'm bashing on Rose because I think she's a strong addition to the series. But I probably would have liked it more if it was just Finn going on this journey himself. Well, if that adds anything. Well, I think Rose is essential in that yeah. journey because she, she, I mean, she just lost her sister. She's mm-hmm. committed to this. She's mm-hmm. selfless. And if, if it's just Finn going to Candlebite, maybe he gets seduced into That's that kind true. of lifestyle. And I mean, obviously Rose is essential for the plot to get the Lightspeed tracker yeah. that I don't think is set up entirely well. I'll give you that. But I really think she's essential to this film in the way that uh she grounds finn in almost every way i think i need to rewatch it again just to focus on finn and rose 
time because I get so distracted by Kylo and Ray and Luke that I'm steered away from that aspect. That was honestly the main thing I was looking at this uh my last rewatch because I mean I've I've seen the Ray Kylo Luke yes. stuff so many times and I really wanted to see, I really wanted to kind of see what people don't see in Kinobite. Yeah. I was really interested to kind of tackle that controversy and I just think it works so well thematically and Ryan Johnson just knows what he's doing with his story and what he wants to say. And it expands the universe. We've never seen a casino in the yeah. Star Wars universe. And it does, I mean, I, come on. It's got, coming into The Last Jedi, I wanted two things. I wanted it to be something new. I wanted it to be a new type of Star Wars movie. And I just wanted to have fun. And yes, that, it was. The Cannobite scene is just fun. I like BB-8 there. I think BB-8 adds. Yeah. And I think, I think the whole scene, ki- I mean, if you take Cannobite out, it's a very serious movie, maybe yeah. overly serious. And Star Wars is inherently goofy. Yeah, it's inherently naive and innocent, and you do need stuff like that. But it's it's a fun sequence, but it's also very substance filled. There's a lot of stuff in it. But yeah, I love I love Finn and Rose. Oh, I need to re I'll rewatch this one again before. Skywalker. Just, really? I, yeah, because I, now that we talk about it, I need to appreciate Rose a little bit more. And I maybe one of the best scenes in the movie. There's, I've got a lot of favorites in this mm-hmm. movie, but maybe the best scene in this movie is uh, Finn's confrontation with Captain Phasma. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and at the end, like hits her, uh, and she says, uh, "You were always scum," mm-hmm. and he said, "Just says rebel scum." I just think it's a beautiful completion of his arc from both films it it's honestly the most satisfying thing in the movie because we didn't see him grow and finish his arc in i guess in a way in the force awakens and we finally get to see that in the last jedi and it just baffles me that john boyega would trash ryan johnson on the press tour of the rise of skywalker ah just upsetting i don't know every actor has their own opinion so maybe there's more to the story than we know as to why this uh, relationship stems, but maybe. I think he should have appreciated what happened his character. In the last yeah, time. I mean, he's given a lot in both movies. Yeah. He's given a whole lot, yeah. definitely. So, I mean, we've talked about the two subplots of the film yeah. that I really think they, they have much more than people would like to say. Mm-hmm. I think they're very uh, deep with stuff, especially. Finn and Rose, but we're getting to the meat and the meat and potatoes. This is <laughs> this is Ray Kylo Luke. It's the uh, anchor of the entire film. Yep. It's what most people came to the movie to see, <laughs> and I think this does a phenomenal job continuing it, continuing that relationship between Ray and Kylo from The Force Awakens, and it it definitely shows a much more manipulative relationship. Yeah. So. Going to Ray in this movie, I think I think her biggest problem and her biggest flaw in this movie is that she wants answers. One answers on her parents, mm-hmm. and two, she's kind of clinging. She needs Luke to be that parental figure. Yes. Yeah, and, he wants him to be something he's not. And I mean, obviously, Luke's uh, depiction in this film is definitely not what she was expecting. Mm-hmm. So she kind of her, her arc in this movie is kind of getting by on herself mm-hmm. even though luke does help her a little bit she does takes a while for him yeah and i think i mean i think kylo's is kind of the same they kind of go through the same arc it's kind of becoming self-sufficient adults yeah they're growing up kylo i like again he destroyed that mask this time so yeah i like i appreciated that part i think that carried more meaning than some people could probably see at least in my eyes so, yeah, but they're definitely coming to terms with how their lives are and how they're something that they didn't really think they would be, I yeah. guess. But then they also do that. They have each other, and I hate saying, I don't well, know. It's, it's a very interesting way of depicting a hero-villain relationship in yes. Star Wars. Yes. Because if you look at Star Wars, for the most part, it's just a family drama. Mm-hmm. All of the problems. So, 
I mean, obviously you have Luke and Vader, father-son relationship. You have Obi-Wan, Anakin. They're the brothers in a way. Uh, and this one, it really just, Ray and Kylo, are, it's kind of like the partner. Yeah. It's, it's more intimate than mm-hmm. anything we've seen in Star Wars, especially from a hero and a villain. Yeah. Um, and I think what Ryan Johnson uses with what uh, people call force time, Mm-hmm. What which was uh used in Empire uh with Luke and Leia they kind of sense each other yes. and uh, Luke and Vader do talk in that same way using the Force. Can I just say both these movies do a really especially the Last Jedi, they do a really good job expanding the ideas of the Force. Yeah. And before we talk about Luke, Luke gives such a good explanation of the Force in this movie mm-hmm. with the sequence of life and death yeah. and. The hole down at Octu, it's just great. I the Force was kind of its own character during yeah. the Last Jedi. They made it into more than just use the Force. Like you know, it's it's it was there. Like the Force was there in the Last Jedi. Yeah, and going back to the the whole connection with Rey and Kylo, their talks, it does a really good job. Uh, in the beginning, Rey uh shoots the blaster, and it establishes that they can't kill each other using mm-hmm. this. So, when the Force Awakens, when they talk in that confrontation, in the interrogation, Kylo has, uh, for lack of a better term, he has the high ground. Yeah. Uh, but in The Last Jedi, they're talking at equal levels. Mm-hmm. So, they're more honest with each other. Mm-hmm. And they grow an honest relationship that really worries Luke. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's a very broken character in this film. Oh, and God, he doesn't yes. want this to happen. He doesn't want Kylo, another Kylo Ren to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's a main concern throughout the entire movie. And I think that's what makes the throne room scene great. Ugh, I love that scene. Best scene of the whole film, in my eyes. Uh, It's one of the best. One of the the best. I think it's It's so, like, uh, it's kind of like a crescendo in a way. Yeah. It's a crescendo in a way, like, there's such tension that builds in the entire movie and even The Force Awakens. It feels like who's gonna turn because yes, it, I was just it is such a good way they do such a good job building up to the throne room scene because i mean most movies it feels like oh we know who's gonna become bad mm. on it do, i was oh god when you're watching the last jedi do you know like imagine it's your first time watching the uh the last jedi do you know who's gonna turn i thought kylo was gonna turn i thought ray was gonna turn really mm-hmm. i love how the relationship between Rey and Kylo is on so many different levels. Like, there's some weird... It's weird to say romantic aspect to their relationship, but there's something... No, I, I think it absolutely yeah, is. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens between the two of them, because, yes, I think there's something romantic between them. I think there's some partnership between them, and one yeah. of them has to change. It's been yeah. too long building up to have them say who they are. Yeah, and their relationship... I mean, I said it before, but like, Ray in this movie, she needs to, she wants to know her parents' mm-hmm. identity. Luke can't give that to her. No. Kylo makes it seem like he can give that to her. Yeah. He knows who his par- her parents are. And he kind of uses that to manipulate her and kind of get her to what he thinks is on her side. Mm-hmm. So when they're at the throne room and when he, do- when he does kill Snoke, he feels like he's done enough to convince her to join him. Yeah. And it is a very egotistical way of thinking, but it does make sense. Yeah. You can understand why he would think that. Yeah. I, oh, I just can't wait to see where those two go. Yeah. There's were, so much. Were you upset that Snoke got killed? No, I think that scene was awesome. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I, I always thought Snoke, was kind of a red herring. He was kind yeah. of He was just he was just there for me. Like people was, wanted him to be Palpatine, but yeah, I was just like I always thought he was like in the at the end of the for, oh, at the end of the Force Awakens, uh Kylo when they're fighting, Kylo tells Rey he doesn't want to kill her. Mm-hmm. And obviously he he was very wounded in that uh fight, yeah. so that's wh- partly why he lost. But he's he could he could have easily killed her, but he's saying, "I want to show you the ways of the Force." It feels like he already has plans to usurp Snoke. Yeah. In a way that Vader, uh, it's implied in not the movies, but like books and all that, 
that Vader wanted to do the Palpatine, but he never mm -hmm. did. And we get to see that. And it honestly feels perfectly motivated and kind of the only way that could happen. Kylo Ren had to kill Snoke. Yeah. Because Kylo isn't really pushed by any other ideolo ideology except self-worth, yeah. self-gain. Yeah. And Snoke was kind of in the way of him. Yeah. That's... And I think he wants Rey to just add to his yeah. power happening. And I also think it's kind of the fact that he wants Ray on the, to join him. It kind of goes back to his vulnerability. It, like he doesn't really want the competition. Mm -hmm. He kind of just wants the easy win. Yeah. And I just think that's really interesting. Yeah. And the throne room scene's great and everything. I want to talk. Uh, we got we got about like fifteen minutes maybe left. Yeah. I want to talk about Luke Skywalker. Yeah. We have. Just like The Force Awakens has done, we have built up to Luke Skywalker, and now we're going to talk about him. Yeah. He is very divisive. He might be the most divisive <laughs> character in the film. He and is stubborn. I remember like wanting to just like grab him by the shoulders and shake him a little bit. To, like, help Rey. Like, she's here. But, I mean, people were, are so upset at yeah. Luke's depiction in The Last Jedi. Yeah. Because they thought, as Luke says he would show up with a laser sword and take down the entire mm. First Order. And I think if they went with that, it would have been very boring. Yeah. It wouldn't have been interesting at all. And as I said, going back to uh, The Force Awakens, why would he let Han die? Why didn't yeah. he come when Han's life was in danger? There was obviously something wrong with him. And as we see in The Last Jedi, he's a very broken man. Yeah. And he's cut himself off to the Force. Uh, and he's done with the Jedi, and he does critique the Jedi in a way that I've always thought about, because in the prequels, they, the only thing they did was let Palpatine come to power, mm. and they're kind of, I mean, they're kind of bad. They kind of, they uh, teach against uh, emotion. They're kind of reserve uh, monks, and obviously, the big reveal that uh, the whole, his uh, confrontation with uh, Kylo, oh years too. before i really like how it's told in different perspectives yeah. oh yeah you have kylo telling it like luke was definitely going to kill him mm -hmm. and luke at first was didn't even talk about lightsabers but then we get to see the true one where luke thought about killing kylo because he sensed the darkness in him but he it, it passed in a second and i think it's very in character for luke because if you look at return of the jedi he is very like he he's wailing on Vader. Mm -hmm. Like like he could have killed him. And yeah. the fact that he the uh, the fact in the last Jedi that he throws the lightsaber uh when Ray gives it to <laughs> yeah. him, I honestly think that makes a ton of sense and it was the best way to go with it because yeah. if you look at Luke throughout all the movies, he hasn't done any good with a lightsaber. He when he when he does when he's in a lightsaber battle, he's got his arm chopped off his father he almost kills his father and he almost kills his nephew and i just think uh i mean it makes sense that he wouldn't want to do that anymore mm -hmm. that thing has brought him so much pain and it's the f kylo destroying his temple and kind of ruining the jedi makes him kind of vulnerable in a way he doesn't really want to do this again he just wants to die as he says on octu and I think he, lear he learns through Rey that the Resistance really needs a, uh, an image of hope, even though he isn't that anymore. Mm -hmm. And I just think Luke is so human in this film, and Mark Ham it's Mark Hamrell's best performance, maybe outside of Empire. Yeah. I think he's phenomenal, phenomenal in this movie, even though he did not agree with the way Luke was portrayed. Yeah. It was hard for everyone to embrace the hero they've grown up with. Yeah, and I, I get why people are upset with that. I mean, this is the guy that they thought embodied optimism and all that. That's what Mark Hamill said, even. Mm -hmm. Luke was a character that inspired people, and to have him kind of not uh, react to the First Order, it does feel like a slap in the face to some people, but I'm really happy that Luke was portrayed as a human and not as like a god yes. or as a myth or as what people thought him to be in the force awakens and it just creates such a nice dynamic with 
Ray as not only does he teach reluctantly teach Ray the ways of the Force and why the Jedi should end, she teaches him mm-hmm. that he can still spark hope and be good in this world yeah. even though he's done so much harm. Yeah. And I on it probably I don't know, it's probably my favorite scene in the film with Yoda. Really? When he's burning down the temple and there I think Yoda in that scene, he really tells the lesson of the last Jedi. It's not what Kylo says at the beginning that a lot of people think is the lesson to let the past die, kill it if you have to. What Yoda says is, I'm not going to say it the way Yoda does, but (laughs) uh, failure is the greatest teacher. And if you look at the three three storylines in this film, they are all about failure and people learning from failure and becoming better people from failure. Poe obviously makes a cocky, boneheaded decision going for the dreadnought. It costs them lives and he's very uh, apprehensive to leadership. And through Leia and Holdo, he becomes a selfless leader, as seen in the Battle of Crate. By the way, the Battle of Crate, Crate, oh my goodness, what a <laughs> what a phenomenal that idea for a planet. It, yeah. Because when the battle is going on, it looks like it's bleeding. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get to Crate, especially with the final battle between Kylo and Luke. And Finn and Rose, uh, I mean, Finn's all about uh, his failure to kind of leave, I mean, his action to leave the resistance is in a way failure, and Rose helps him learn from that and to better himself. And obviously, as we said, uh, Ray's failures to kind of um, accept herself and become self-sufficient, that, that helps her become self-sufficient. Uh, same thing with Kylo, his failures to Snoke, realize that he needs to become the supreme leader. Yeah. And Luke, obviously, he has failed more than anyone in this film. And he learns, he is reminded through Yoda and through the burning of the Jedi Temple that you can put the past behind you. It's not to kill the past, it's to take the past and evolve from it. Yeah, Yeah, I think (laughs) it's crazy how much of a life lesson that can apply to, like, us. Yeah. And... that's why I love The Last Jedi. It has something really powerful to say. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I mean, the last scene of the film, we're going to talk about the Kylo and Luke fight, but the last scene of the film uh, with the, boys at Canob- the boy at Canobite yeah. using the Force, and oh, I love it. it's amazing. I love it. It's my favorite end to any Star Wars oh, film yeah. because the message it implies that anyone can make a difference in this mm-hmm. I, I saw something on Twitter and it was like a bunch of stuff before the rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. and I did it and it was describe Star Wars in three words and what I said was anyone can inspire and that's what The Last Jedi teaches yes. you yes. That's, I love how that you're walking out of the theater with that message and then it's like this movie like can probably change people really yeah and I love that. I like I like anything that can apply to the world in this day and age because I think our world needs a little bit of. Oh, we need this. Yeah. yeah. We need normal people like you and me to make yeah. a little bit of a difference. What What do you think about the fight between Kylo and Luke? That's the best fight scene. In- I think I literally remember having to remind myself to like breathe that one because I was so engrossed by what was happening that i was so zoned in i'm like i literally think i stopped breathing for a hot second because it just caught my breath and i'm like so good so well done and it's and for the people who didn't like luke throughout the entire movie that's the luke skywalker they wanted the guy who took down the whole first order but it's in a way that he doesn't have to do it through violence luke learns that he doesn't have luke has always been about not using his lightsaber to solve problems, Return of the Jedi throws his lightsaber away because he needs to confront Vader as a son. And he needs to confront uh, Ben as a, um, a master and an uncle, but he doesn't want to do it through force. And he does, I mean, Kylo in this movie, it is shown that he is pretty much beyond saving. Yeah. 
I don't think he can be saved in the Rise of Skywalker. I think there is light in him, but I don't think he's too far gone. I think it's shown with that, especially with Leia and Luke talking before the fight. And yeah, I just think it's a phenomenal fight. Yeah, yeah. I like how after like the cannon fire like ceases and then Luke oh. just like brushes his shoulder. Oh my god, that I wanted to like stand up and clap for that because that's what I want to walk in twenty twenty is and Luke brushing off like hey. I want to, but in the way Kylo when they're fighting on crate, obviously the salt's moving and we see the red. Yeah. Kylo's footsteps make red and it's and his- very forceful and bloody. But Luke's, because he's a force projection, there is no footprint. That was so smart. It took me a second to catch on to that. There's so so much little stuff in this film that I love. All these people are genius. Yeah. What do you you think about Luke dying? Do you think Luke should have died? I think he... Yes, because I think he's finally, like... I want to say, I don't know even how to really word it. Yes, I think his dying in the end was justified and I think deserved for him because he, after all these years, he fulfilled what a Jedi should do. Yeah. Standing up again. I could see how it wasn't really needed, but I'm really happy the way they did it, where I'm fine with it. Yeah. He went out on his own terms and he went out peacefully not in, like, a blaze of glory. Yeah. Quite honestly, I would not be too excited to see Luke again in The Rise of Skywalker because Luke was a big component of The Last Jedi, and it took a lot of focus on him. And as they're wrapping up in The Rise of Skywalker, I think Luke would have taken much time away from everything else that needs to close up. Yeah, I, I agree. Definitely. So, I think... Luke was a necessity in The Last Jedi, but I think if he returned to Rey or was still there for The Rise of Skywalker, that that would have just been more wasted time. But things between Rey could be solved, or the relationship Ben and Rose, even though that's not my favorite. But <laughs> there's more to be done in the next film, and I think Luke would take time to life. Yeah, definitely. Do you have anything else to say about The Last Jedi as a whole? Just to once again affirm how perfect the cast yeah how, how these actors really embody their character that I, it's it's hard to say like oh daisy who's right it could be I think she's all right so yeah just again how perfectly well cast it is and how how detailed of a movie this relation it was more of the emotional fights between characters than so i appreciate that yeah i have two things to say before uh, we wrap up. Um, as I said, watching The Force Awakens this week, I kind of felt like I don't really see Star Wars having a future if they kept this formula. But I really feel this may be a hot take, but I feel mm-hmm. like The Last Jedi saved the future of Star Wars because it is a film that kind of goes beyond the barriers of what we've known about a Star Wars film and it creates a really interesting template for future movies to go to kind of critique the past and to learn from it and to grow from it. And my second thing is that porgs are amazing. I love yes. porgs. Taking us a second to talk. Did you know Daisy Ridley does not like the porg? Yeah, she prefers Baby Yoda. Yep, and that's fine by me. But the porgs do. I love porgs. Um, I know I said we were going to wrap up. I have one more question <laughs> to ask you. Yes. What do you want in The Rise of Skywalker? I want to be... It's a lot to ask for, but I want to be absolutely blown away, and I want to not be able to mentally function after the end <laughs> of it. That is so much to ask for, but I think it's deserved after all of this journey. So. I want two things. I would be fine if it happened, if it was done well. I just I want to see Lando not <laughs> die, even though, uh, I mean, Someone. things haven't fared well for the other classic Star Wars characters. No, exactly. And I just want what I just want again. I want a new type of Star Wars film that kind of breaks boundaries that the previous films have kind of yeah. had. I want it to kind of build off the Last Jedi. I don't want it to ignore it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just want a fun time. Like I, I yeah, I, I'm not I'm not wanting to like theories to like if it's 
if it, my theory doesn't happen, then it's a trash movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't want that to happen. But yeah. I I'm honestly more nervous than excited because I honestly I have, me too. I have such high expectations for this, and so that might be a bad thing. But I think anyway, it'll be good. But there's gonna be a difference. Good and great. I yeah. want great. I'm nervous because Palpatine. I don't know how they're gonna pull that off. But from what I've seen in recent stuff, I think they're gonna pull it off. I'm really happy with uh what they're implying with Palpatine. But yeah. Yeah. Can't wait. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. Bennett talked about the uh, Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, two very divisive films. Talked about why we love them. You talked about why you like the For- you love The Force Awakens. Yeah. I talked about why I love The Last <laughs> Jedi. Um, and yeah, so I, I really appreciate for you, uh, you who have uh, watched the entire retrospective, us going through all the Star Wars films. These movies really mean a lot to me, and I'm really glad that I got to talk about it with people that also enjoy star wars thank you for coming on the show multiple times i really appreciate it and yeah thanks for tuning in see you next week for the final episode of season one